welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that focuses on the technical, inspirational, and aspirational sides of filmmaking from your favorite filmmakers and your favorite genres. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And this week, we have a very, very special guest with us from Trek FM, Brandon Shea Matala. Brandon, how are you doing today? Daughter alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> and Brandon gives it away. Today's topic is uh, one that's that, that I think has been long in the making, um, RoboCop 2. Before we get to RoboCop 2, of course, we're on the Nerd Party Network. You can go ahead and find a whole range of shows on the Nerd Party Network that are tailored to just about every sci-fi taste, every film genre taste that you could possibly want to talk about. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. You can find Great Shot Kid there. Drop us a line. We'll get an email when you send us that note. You can also reach out to us through the Twitter account at join nerd party. Use the hashtag great shot kid on Instagram, the nerd party with the hashtag great shot kid and facebook.com slash the nerd party. So those are all the ways to get in contact with us through the official show accounts. And we will be discussing RoboCop 2. Irvin Kirshner, director of the Empire Strikes Back, takes on the mantle of a sequel to another surprise sci-fi hit little low budget thing that came out of nowhere that just tapped into the zeitgeist of the times caught everybody off guard robocop's a huge smash so of course they're going to make a sequel well if you're going to make a follow-up like that you got to go to Irvin kershner now my first question to both of you did either one of you see this in the movie theater no. No. Nope. I was okay. way too young for these movies when I saw them on home okay. video. Yeah. I, yeah, I was ten when it came out. Yeah. Okay. And see, and I, there was I'm the old man of the group, so I, I did see it in the movie theater. But see so. but see here's the thing, right? Like the reason why I mean there would have been no way because I saw Robocop when it came out on home video when I was eight, sort of. I, I I had I had an, a friend who was two years older, Ben, and Ben was a huge movie fan, and he's the guy who introduced me to Star Wars. If it wasn't for Ben, there would be no great shot kid. And um, thank you, Ben. He 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 watched everything, you know, and his parents would let him see all the movies, whether they were R rated or whatever, even though he was only you know ten, and um, his parents or his his mom. Uh, you know, wanted to watch this new movie that just came out on video, RoboCop. And I was staying over at Ben's house, you know, for a, a sleepover. And I had never seen an R-rated movie before. I was extremely sheltered as a kid. I was raised Catholic. My my, my mom wouldn't even let me watch G.I. Joe because it was a war show. Okay. This is the level of, of, of sheltered, you know, shelteredness, shelter, shelter. That I had the 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 one the one challenge flag I'm going to throw here just so people know is I was raised Catholic as well. Uh -huh. It was no impediment to me seeing movies like this. Okay, but go on, go on. <laughs> so so I, you know I I I I never seen an R-rated movie and you know I was like I was you know a little eight year old eight year old Mike you know and um, I remember 
Ben's mom called up her brother who had seen RoboCop and said, hey, is this okay for an eight-year-old to watch? And her brother was like, there's one scene in like a co-ed shower, (laughs) but that's it. So I'm like, okay, good to go. And I was watching it. Everything was fine, whatever. And then there's that boardroom scene, right? <laughs> With Ed 209 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I I remember it happening. And I remember <laughs> because my, my mom and his mom, they, they cantered together at, at, at Ascension Church. And I remember his mom turning to me and saying, Mike, tell your mom you watch Looney Tunes. And then... Um, I was just freaked out. I was like so freaked out. And the thing that freaked me out was not, I mean, I had never seen like blood of that magnitude, but the thing that really freaked me out was how everyone in the room was just like, man, back to the drawing board. Like absolutely no, which of course was the satire there, you know, but I wasn't really too big on, 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 on satire at the age of eight. And I, I, I freaked out. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Ben was all upset because everyone else was going to be watching RoboCop and we had to go downstairs and play, you know, with Legos or whatever. And um, probably with Star Wars action figures or whatever. And and I just, I, I was so scared that I, I had to have my, my parents pick me up and, and take me home that night. <laughs> and because wow. of that, I, I was traumatized by RoboCop forever so that when I finally did see it like in high school I was like I hate this movie and then you know I eventually watched RoboCop 2 because of the Irvin Kirshner thing and you know because of that spoilers I guess my opinion of RoboCop 2 has for the most part been higher than RoboCop 1 but I'm fully willing to admit that that's probably because RoboCop 1 scarred me at an early age and not necessarily because it's a worse movie than RoboCop 2. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Brandon, what what is your first encounter with Peter Weller's Cyborg Cop? The the first time I saw RoboCop, I was pretty young. I can't remember how old I was, but my mom's friend Val would watch it, like babysit us sometimes and we watched it at her place. And I remember the part that really traumatized me. Like I was definitely this was definitely before 1990, so I was under you know nine, probably nine years old when this happened. Was at the end when the guy comes out of the the acid or whatever, and he's all like stretched and stuff. And for me, when something like freaked me out in a movie when I was a kid, I couldn't take my eyes away. And like this is one of the examples. Now I I had been slowly introduced to horror through my mom because during again I was born in eighty one during live airings of Freddy's Nightmares on TV we would watch this as a family and I remember one time I don't know why it still sticks with me but we were eating chips and watching the show and I was standing there and I had like a chip hanging from my lip and I was just like. <laughs> like not moving or anything like this. And my mom turned and laughed at me. Like it was the funniest thing she'd ever seen. Right. That I was like, so scared. I couldn't like move or anything, but anyways, that's, that's Freddie. That's not Robocop. But yeah, when I saw that guy with those, like coming out, like, man, did that mess (laughs) me up for a long time? 
after that. Get away from me, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't get the comedy. I mean, when I was a kid, I took things at face value. Like, I didn't even think Army of Darkness was a comedy the first time I saw it. I'm like, what is this movie? You know, like a totally, when I see movies when I'm young, it's all face value and what they are. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's fair. I, I always love telling the story. Uh, I was taken when I was far too young to go see Love at First Bite, the George Hamilton classic. Uh, where he plays Dracula. I was taken to the movie theater to see that, and I was really way too young for it. And I was terrified. I had to be taken out of the theater because he was Dracula. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in the beginning, the you know the, the crowd is there, and all of this funny stuff is happening, and then he opens, and I saw the fangs, and I just lost it. <laughs> I, was, I was, like, six or something. Like I was like, take me out of here. I can't take this. So I totally get what you're saying with the whole freezing and, and, and stuff like that. Now, RoboCop 2, what did you go straight from RoboCop into RoboCop 2 or was RoboCop 2 something you were afraid to move toward because RoboCop had had that you know scarring scary moment for you I my transition started with the Freddy movies like I really started to watch them and it was about a year or two later that I started to watch the RoboCop movies so I would have been about 12 I would say and I would with I would take my allowance and actually buy used VHS tapes from the local movie rental place. And so I I was buying movies and I would buy series. I was very obsessed with seeing all the movies in a franchise. And so I bought Robocop to watch it because I knew of its cult status at that time. And I bought Robocop 2. And, you know, there was a couple of parts in Robocop 2 that really traumatized me as well, when I, even when I was older. But... Um, I loved it. I loved what I was watching and like the, the boundaries that these movies were pushing at the age that I was watching them, like really molded the type of movies that I started to get into as I grew up, you know, like if I can get into one of the scenes, the scene that affected me the most in this is when they're taking Kane's brain out, you know, in the second one and seeing the inside of that skull. Like, oh man, did that mess me up when I was watching this movie at a young age. But I mean, it was one of those things that I was completely captivated by the imagery that I'm watching and the detail that was inside this skull. Okay. No, I see, I saw RoboCop. I saw the first RoboCop on on VHS. My brother worked for a video store, so that was a great pipeline of stuff I wasn't supposed to see. And, uh, you know, and he had, he's five years older than me. And so he had access to the video rental card before he ever worked at a video store. And that's how I saw stuff like DC Cab and Terminator when I was way too young to see them. And to this day have very fond memories of sitting there and him looking and saying, cover your eyes for this part. And then telling me when to go. And of course, I was just like peeking through my fingers or whatever. But RoboCop 2 comes out. I Again, I'm the old man of the group. I was in high school. I was, a, I guess, a sophomore in high school when it came out. And a whole group of us, we were like, yeah, we'd all seen RoboCop. We're like, we're going to see RoboCop too. And, of course, rating systems mean nothing to movie theaters. Sorry, Mike. I mean, I think you know that, right? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> not at my okay, theater. Well, yeah. when, I, when, I was, uh, when I was coming up, there was a movie theater right near the high school. It was like walking distance from the high school. 
and they would have been insane to turn people away for R-rated movies. If you looked, if you looked old enough to walk, it was like, yeah, okay, sure, you're 17, come on in. No, that's definitely true. I mean, so. like the theater. It's actually it's funny because it's now the theater that that I work at. Like when I was in high school, I always like there, there were the two theaters in the area, and they would like split the product because the studios didn't want to like you know be competing with their themselves essentially. So a movie would either go to the one theater or the other theater. And I always hoped and prayed that the R-rated movies would go to this theater because they didn't card, so that meant I could get in. Whereas the other theater, uh, which I used to work at, um, they would card hardcore, right? So I'm like, oh, God, please, please let this movie open up at this theater. And yeah, but now... Not, not now. Now we card hard. We card it, hard. It, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, you know, for me, Paul Verhoeven is um, actually it, since he relates to the conversation, it was Starship Troopers that turned it around in the area I grew up in. That was the movie where suddenly they took carding seriously for R-rated movies. Like that, that, that on a dime they turned around on that. That wasn't true for me. Like I, I saw that at. Um, well, actually, I think I was seventeen by the time that came out. But regardless, I saw it at the theater that wasn't carding and. I vividly remember going to the Saturday matinee right after it came out and there being a bunch of families there with little kids. And again, just like, you know, Ben's uncle, (laughs) um, you know, as all of this massive violent stuff is going on on screen, it's all good, it's all cool. But as soon as you get into that that, uh, locker room scene, all the parents are like, cover your eyes, cover your eyes. And I'm like, this is really weird, but okay, cool. It, it, it is a weird thing. But, but I can tell you, because the thing is, everybody knows I, my legendary hatred of RoboCop 2 did not start with my first showing. I remember the guy I was sitting next to, Mike Skinner. I was sitting next to him, and I, I apologize if he hears this, and he's like, why are you telling this story? But I was sitting next to him, and I remember RoboCop 2 ending. And looking over, Mike was sitting to my right-hand side and looking over, and we both had this big smile. And I went, I want to see that again. He said, me too. We didn't because we didn't have the money. But, like, we were gung-ho coming out. We were like, RoboCop 2 is awesome. It's great. We love it. So when I went back and revisited RoboCop 2 years later, it was it was almost a heartbreaking experience because I had this wonderful this wonderful feeling inside of I love this movie. It was so great. I can't wait to rewatch it. And I rewatched it and I said, Oh no. Oh no. And like for a long time, it turned me off from the very idea of going back and rewatching things that I used to like. Cause I was like, I, I don't want, I don't want the, I don't want the veil lifted here. I want, I want just my memories. And there, that's, there are still movies where I won't go back because I'm like, I don't want this illusion shattered for me. Yeah. But why, why RoboCop two? Like, to to me, RoboCop two is just yeah. as good as RoboCop one. I really would dispute that, and I'd I love think that to know why. Watching it again, there's so much in it that is of the the feel of the first movie. Like the comedy is there, the social satire is there, the violence is there, <sighs> and it's just taking it as a sequel would and uh, and moving it from one topic to another. Okay, now we got drugs, right? And it just it's changing the story a bit. I I I actually think that any commentary that's there in RoboCop two is so like blunt force, heavy handed, obvious as opposed to 
RoboCop can be enjoyed on the level of either just a, a simple like death wish revenge fantasy, but then when you look at it again, you're like, oh wow, they're making all of these commentaries about corporations and the value of human life and all you know the dystopian society and everything. Whereas RoboCop Two is very much a comic book version of RoboCop One. It's told in the style of the original RoboCop, but it doesn't land the same way you can tell that it's not the same creative team that gave that first one the spark if anything there never should have been a sequel to robocop like its story was told and it was done but you can say that about so many different sequels that are out there but i really think robocop 2 is ham-fisted as as compared to you know the the relatively subtle uh messaging that can be there uh in, in the original robocop but I will say that with the rewatch that I did before we're, we're talking, that RoboCop, I, the, the thing is, I love to beat up on RoboCop 2, but I by no means think it's like Pitch Perfect 3, right? I'll watch RoboCop 2 a hundred times before I'll watch a Pitch Perfect movie again. But as I was talking with a friend of mine about it, I think it's because I've seen so many things in the years since that are so much worse than RoboCop 2. Like... It's a, it's the type of pain I can endure where I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's I don't like it, but that's fine. As opposed to, oh, this is awful and it's torture. So, but what is it that I'm missing? Like, I, seriously, th this question is for both of you guys. What am I missing? What what is not connecting for me on RoboCop Two? What why can't I locate that love for it again? Well, for me, I don't know. Like, what I'll tell you the aspects of the story that I like, but I mean, it's kind of just going through the movie. I mean, I like the fact that OCP has, you know, taken control of Robocop and they've warped him. They've added all these crazy subprime directives and stuff like this because, you know, corporations and, and, you know, control is taking over something that was awesome and now they're controlling it and putting all these restrictions on it and making it worse. Right. And so that's kind of what they did with Robocop. And, you know, that, that aspect doesn't last as long as I remember it lasting. Like I haven't seen Robocop two in quite a while. So I was actually surprised to go back to it and love it just as much as I did after hearing so many negative reviews of it recently. But, um, that's one of the things that I liked is this commentary of people getting their hands on something once it becomes popular and just wrecking it and messing it. Right, not to say that they did that with the movie, but that's what the that's what the the social commentary was, and you know to have these cops on strike, you know I think is a neat aspect. It's a neat take because it is such a you know a downtrodden city, this Detroit of the future, and it's like what can they do? Like it's such a dangerous environment that they're in. Can they even can cops even go on strike? Well, they can in this movie, right? Because that's the commentary that they're making is that you know they they can't do anything. All their all their money is being taken away. All their pensions are being taken away. I don't know. I like that aspect of the film as well. Okay. I, I mean, I there there's one point I want to come back to, but first I want to get uh, Mike's take on it. What what is it that works for you about RoboCop Two? Um, I'd say the things that work for me about it are um, the comedy, you know, more than anything, you know, the satire. Yeah, it's different from RoboCop One, and and you know. I mean, like, I, I watched RoboCop 2, 
you know, I watched RoboCop 1 because basically I felt like I had to because of its cult status and everything, and I did not respond to it, you know, when I was in high school or whatever. And I watched RoboCop 2 because of the Irvin Kirshner, you know, aspect. You know, I, I'm very much a believer that Irvin Kirshner is the reason why The Empire Strikes Back is so beloved and so over the top and so much better than A New Hope or any other Star Wars movie. And I, I think that... Yeah, okay, fine. He's made bad movies. Yes, Never Say Never Again is a bad movie. But he's also made a whole crap ton of really good movies, whether it's Eyes of Laura Mars or Loving or um, uh, the what's, what's the name of the one with uh, Sean Connery? Um, I don't know why I'm... Never I'm Say Never blank. Again. No, the other one. The other one where he's the poet with uh, anger management issues. Um, he's made... Never Say Never Again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, um, a, 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 oh, God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, I'll remember it by the time it's this... It's not Zardoz. I, I can tell you that. It's not Zardoz. No, but he's a fantastic director who's made a ton of really, really good movies. And... RoboCop 2, of course, you know, being his last movie and, you know, the, the most mainstream probably aside from Never Say Never Again, it's it's the one that I'm going to gravitate towards because it's the one that I can find. And like seeing it, you know, and, and never not watching it within the context of his career, I, I find it fascinating. And uh, I, I really do see him doing a lot of really, really good things. A Fine Madness, that's the name of the movie. Go check it out. It's awesome. Anyway, um, and, you know, there's also the the sort of, like, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing, like, like the, the sort of historical aspect to it, how it fits into everyone's careers, really. I mean, I just noticed, you know, watching the credits, it's edited by Lee Smith, who just won the Oscar last night for, for editing Dunkirk. He's edited Dark Knight. And speaking of which, of course you know, written by Frank Miller, which is yeah. pretty fascinating, especially, you know, watching it, like, with all of the, the media portrayal in this and everything like that, that stuff is lifted straight out of Dark Knight Returns, right? And I think that's, like, the strongest stuff in the movie, to be honest. Now, see, I, what, what's interesting to me, what, and I'm going to do what, what Mike did to me when he, when he was interviewing me about Revenge of the Sith, mm -hmm. okay? I don't care what anybody's political views are, but there's definitely, especially Brandon, you're talking about the rules that they put in to that mess up RoboCop and everything like that. There's a very early, like, pre-reaction to the PC wave about RoboCop 2. There's a very libertarian bent to this movie. And if anything, it makes it slightly endearing to some people. Mm -hmm. And as a result, like, I'm just curious because did did that political punch land with you guys or is it something where you're just like, yeah, whatever. That's just Frank Miller being Frank Miller. It's really interesting because like Frank Miller's satire, I think is usually pretty spot on. I think lots of times like what he's saying is like, you know, bat crap crazy. But, um, I think that he's very good at, at, at saying it like in, in his art. I think when he starts talking about it in the real world, he just sounds like a lunatic, but you know, whatever that's Frank Miller for you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that it's, it's really well done, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. And that's always sort of like the conflict whenever, 
I'm watching any Frank Miller stuff. That's like what we we talked about, you know, on on some of the, some of these other things. Like, yeah, I can watch Sin City and I can watch, you know, Batman Year One and everything and admire the artistry, even though I I do think that sort of his take on on those characters is kind of messed up, like you know, in terms of the morality and and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brandon? I haven't really thought about it as like a pre-PC politically correct kind of thing myself, but I mean, I guess I could kind of, if I, if I take your meaning on it, it's like, is it the, with the, the, the woman that's in charge of the program? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Who, who, who lays on all of these extra regulations, not just laws, but there are a whole bunch of additional regulations put in RoboCop that cause him to lose yeah. his mind. And then, you know, she ends up taking the downfall at the end for the whole mess and whatnot. So it's like, you know. Very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, yeah I, I can see that there. I, I've never considered it really much beyond the beyond the context of the film. But maybe I should take a look at that next time I watch it again, for sure. I mean, to me, the, the stronger stuff is really the, like, violence in the media, you know, that sort of thing, and, and the idea that, you know, we've become, like, desensitized to it and, you know, almost sort of, like, want this this stuff. I mean, you know, the whole thing where, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of it there, and, and sort of, like, the, the corporate stuff. I mean, there's the whole thing with, like, the guy who buys the wrong, like, spreadsheet software or whatever it is, and because of that, like... <laughs> The the commercials I'll never I will never take the commercials away. I mean, Especially with the, the volt in the beginning yeah. where it doesn't even drain your battery. That's that's pretty great. Yes. I, the commercials are, are very strong. Oh yeah, the, the one commercial I, I it messed me up even when I was a kid was the uh the Sunblock five thousand. Like that messed yeah, me up when I was, was a kid. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, it's green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's a great environmental yes, message. Is. You know, show, showing that that there's room for all sorts of uh, uh, of commentary within the film. The, the thing is, like again, there are parts of this that I do find positively charming. I think that the whole thing about if you give people too many rules and regulations to follow, it induces a sort of madness. I think that's a valid commentary, and that's one of the things I respond to in it. I don't agree with the execution of it so much because it sort of goes weird slapsticky off the rails at, at a when couple he's of points. talking to the dead baseball coach. <laughs> yeah, the, the dead baseball coach is like, eh. but like but at the end there's a joke that I always go back to that I abs- that I laugh at even now when I don't particularly like the movie where uh where the guy says the dead ones won't sue they have families they always do (laughs) like just this put upon like oh my gosh i'm gonna have lawsuits from survivors like that is pretty solid but like just the the movie as a whole just doesn't hold together like the glue is missing right there's there's a what it comes across to me is in a lot of ways like some of the the recent movies that i've I very famously, you know, come down on. It's the fact that there's no. I don't think that there's a very strong through line in this. I think that it's more a pastiche of scenes. It's these are some ideas that they threw up there, and it, and literally threw up there, and it's there and it exists, but there's no 
real glue holding things See, together. See, for me, the glue that holds it together is, is the thing with Kane and how they're trying to create this Robocop 2, you know, throughout the movie. And how they can't figure it out because Robocop was so unique and they don't know what it was that made him unique. And throughout the movie, they're trying to figure this out by putting all these people in. These robots are going insane in an extremely wonderful way. Um, those are probably some of my favorite scenes in the movie when the guy, like, the robot's like, ah! <laughs> like, rips his yeah, mouth. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a fan of the, I'm a fan of the one that comes out, shoots the people and then kills itself. (laughs) But, um, they're like, it's because of his training and his values that makes him the valuable RoboCop, right? It's like he was a unique specimen. And so they're like, well, the only thing that can come close is this person who likes chaos and disorder, but even there, they can't quite make it work. And I don't know, like the, to me, that's what the through line is, is that he is a unique person, but it it boils down to a per, like values and training and morals. I mean, listening to you guys talk about it, you know, and one of the things that I've always been fascinated by with this movie is the fact that, you know, the villain is itself called RoboCop 2, which I always thought was a really funny, you know, kind of intentional thing. But like hearing, you know, John talk about how, you know, this sort of like over-regulation of, of a thing, you know, once it once it gets, you know, um, controlled by a corporation, it, it uh, you know, whatever, becomes a, a, a shell of itself because it doesn't have room to breathe. And then, you know, listening to Brandon talk about how, you know, RoboCop 2 doesn't work because RoboCop 1, the original, was a unique thing that, you know, could not be replicated or whatever. It really sounds like you guys are talking about the movie. And maybe, maybe this movie had to suck in order to make its point, which is that you should not make a sequel (laughs) to RoboCop. <laughs> and if that's the case, and you know, let's go by the Robert Altman, uh, you know, um, theory that you know whether or not anything is intentional. If you see it there, it's there. I'm going to say this movie has just jumped up a star or two in my estimation because I think it's rather brilliant the way that it proves that you shouldn't make RoboCop two by making a crappy RoboCop two. I. I am floored because that is an amazing take and I can't I cannot unhear that. And I think that that Mike, I think you just stuck the landing. I think that is that is the perfect note to go out. No, on. no, it's not because speaking yeah, wow. of notes, you know, and I want to talk Uh-oh. about this especially since we have Brandon here. The music in yeah. this movie should sound very familiar to someone oh, yeah. who <laughs> He used to host a show called Melodic Treks. Okay, does anyone else uh, see some some similarity without looking at who who uh, wrote the music for this one? And I didn't even bother confirming. It was written oh, by. You're right. <laughs> it it sounds exactly like Star Trek Four, except for and this is my favorite part. In the end credits, have, did you guys watch the end credits? Yes. 
Robocop. Yes. 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 Repeated throughout. Oh my God. I'll never forget when, when Irvin Kirshner died, uh, Max and I did a commentary for Robocop two as a tribute. And I, I mentioned that and he's like, what? No, you're crazy. And I turned up the volume and played it for him. And he's like, oh my God, you know? Yes, it's there. Every time I watch the movie, I play it just because I, I need to confirm to myself that it's there, that I did not make it up. But it's there for like the entire end credits. It's mm-hmm. so great. Have to go back so and great. That's my favorite part of the movie for sure. Yeah, Rosenman's got a distinctive voice. Like his his music sounds mm-hmm. like Rosenman's music. Mm-hmm. Yes, that yeah. that is certainly a way. To, so so actually, yeah. Since you know, Brandon, since you are something of a soundtrack expert, what, what do you own this uh, this? Score? I don't have a lot of Rosenman's music. I'm not a huge Rosenman fan. I've got uh, a couple of his Planet of the Apes scores, and I've got the Fantastic Voyage score. And Star Trek Four, of course, and I, I probably have one or two more that I can't think of off the top of my head. But uh, I'm not a huge huge fan of this guy's work. I just have like maybe ten of his albums. <laughs> I know yeah, I'm right? not that big of a fan. I mean, I could have more, but you know, I mean, like Bear McCreary, I've got every one of his, right? Except for the Outlander that just season three that just came out, right? But you know, but yeah, you know, yes, he's good. Obviously, yes, he's really good. But I mean, yeah, no, I don't have all of his stuff. No. One thing I do want to address too, Ben, is the visual effects. Now, story absolutely is the most important thing. I I just saw Black Panther, and I I loved so many aspects of it, but the visual effects were like, I know you can do better than this. Why didn't you? And I think RoboCop 2 is another movie where if you look at the time that it came out, I, I mean, it's... It's, of course, pre-digital revolution, and Kirshner is relying heavily on his experience with, you know, the, the go motion stuff that worked so well for its time in The Empire Strikes Back, like 10 years previous. But if I were to do a side-by-side, the, like, the effects for RoboCop 2 don't hold up as well as his previous work. I mean, am I alone in I that they're take? they're just as, basically the same as the first RoboCop, like the... First RoboCop did a lot of stop motion animation in it, you know. Oh, but but I'm ta- I'm talking strictly in terms of Kirshner has experience over with Empire Strikes Back with the go motion stuff. I think, and you could argue that that looks better than the stuff that came out in RoboCop too. I I think. See, this is the thing. Like with with Empire Strikes Back, one of the things I thought was sort of brilliant about the use of it there is that it was sort of like its limitations were built into the effects, right? Like those walkers were like designed perfectly to take advantage of that format, right? Whereas with, you know, RoboCop 2, like that end battle is like insane in terms of its scale and, and, and uh, you know, in, like what they're doing with the animation. So I, I think that, yeah, you're going to see more seams with that because, you know, the adats are like sort of like the perfect use of that format you know what i mean yeah like the, spe- the special effects in robocop and robocop 2 they've never bothered me because they're a part of the charm of the movie you know and i'm i don't know i'm buying into the movie at the time and it's just like okay well this is just what they can do with the movie right they've got these giant robots 
And it never really took me out of the film. Even though I've seen a lot of movies where that type of special effect would take me out of the film, like Children of the Corn 3. At the end of Children of the Corn 3, where that monster's in the cornfield, like it's it's really bad, and it, it completely ruins the movie for me. But the special effects in this don't ruin the movie for me. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, ha- have... As a testament to how good RoboCop 2 was, is there there was a sequel uh, that came out a number of years later. I never bothered seeing it. Uh, Peter Weller did not come back for it, if I recall correctly. Uh, have either of you seen RoboCop 3? Have you seen it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Written again by Frank Miller yes. and uh, directed by Fred Decker, who would later go on to write for season one of Enterprise as well as... Uh, you know, direct the Monster Squad, and I think he might have done that beforehand or whatever. And now he's writing the new Predator movie along with Shane Black, who's his longtime writing partner, and and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, it's I think it was rated PG thirteen, you know. And uh, I've seen it once, and it was not good. I, I've seen it quite a few times. Like I like it. It's not as good as the other two by a long shot, um, but. I think it's good. And what I see with this one here is they're trying to make it even more accessible because RoboCop is this cultural icon now for us, right? He's he's very popular at this time. There's a TV show also that's not very good. I think it comes out around this time as well. But RoboCop 3 is 93, and it, it's not that good. There is some of that social commentary there. It's not quite as on your head, hitting the nail on the head. What they're doing is OCP is evicting people from their houses in Chicago because they want to build that big city that they're talking about at the end of Rogue 2. And they've got this military force that's evicting people. And then Robocop, you you know, he, he's sent to an area to try and evict them. And he's like, I can't do this. I'm supposed to protect these people, protect the innocent, serve the public trust, like his missions, right? And so he basically starts defending the public, right? So it's a different take on the character again. And, and it's, you know, it's, playing to that RoboCop's the good guy kind of kind of mentality. Peter Weller no. doesn't come back. I like I, does any of the other original cast come back for it or Yeah, Nancy Nancy Allen's in it. Um okay. she, and uh I don't know the guy's name, the the black chief of the military police, he's of the police, he's in it again. Oh. Okay. Um the the black assistant from OCP is in it again. Oh, good. You know, like so. There's several of the characters are in it again, right? But I think the budget probably just wasn't there for uh, for Peter Weller to come back for it. So they got a guy that was a reasonable approximation. His voice sounded like RoboCop. They showed him without his mask on once, and he doesn't really look like him. But it's not that far off. And I mean, you know, it's it's kind of cheesy in that like RoboCop gets like a flying rocket, so he's like flying around at the end of the movie, and you know, it's it's. It's sequelitis. It suffers from a bit of sequelitis. But CCH Pounder's in this movie, which automatically gives any movie three stars right there, right? She's so awesome. <laughs> I so... am a huge fan of her work. That is that is true. Mike, did you have as warm a reaction for RoboCop 3? No, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I saw it once and I was bored to tears, you know. Maybe I'll rewatch it again at some point. I don't know. See, that would have been something that we would have covered on stage nine, right? Yeah. But I guess we're off the hook now. So, see, I watched <laughs> in preparation for this. I actually watched RoboCop two and three. I didn't watch RoboCop one because I've I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I watched two and three for this discussion here tonight. And 
I'm glad I did. I did enjoy the I did enjoy the remake though. I have to say I haven't seen the I remake. Know everyone hated it, but it's it's pretty. Good. I never I I got maybe ten minutes into it and got interrupted, and I never went back to it. Yeah. You liked it, yeah? Because I I haven't heard great things about the about the remake. I didn't think it was great, but I but I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it was fun. Is it better than RoboCop two? I would say so. Yeah. Oh dear. Ah, there you go. There you go. That that is a recommendation I can get behind. But what do I know? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, gosh, I see. The thing is, I feel like I've sort of maybe let people down because I promised a curb stomping, and I I haven't done any curb stomping. I don't think, but that's just not my style. I guess uh, I I get it. Like I I get what you guys are going for. I get what you see in it i don't know what's broken inside of me but i can say at the very least that i when i rewatch it this time i didn't hate it as much as i remembered hating it but i truly do believe it's because i've seen so much worse since then <laughs> it's um so, it's an extremely middle know. of the road movie like i don't like watching it i'm like is this a good movie or is it a bad movie and i'm like i honestly don't know because there are a lot of good things in it, but there's also some pretty big issues, and and I don't, it's 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 flawed for sure, you know. I, I don't know, but it's you can do better. You can do better, Kirshner, um, uh, if you want, you know. Eyes of Laura Mars. There you go. I gave it five stars on Letterboxd. You did not. I love this movie. I think you this did movie's not. great. You gave this five I did. stars. I give this five stars a little bit. I love this movie. I think it's awesome. It's crazy. It's, it, it really gets me right in the nostalgia zone right here. And you know what? I think it's as good as Empire Strikes Back. That's nuts. That's nuts. Okay, see, now Mike comes onto my side of the aisle. And now we're, this, is, this, is, uh, this is in the pro wrestling match. This is when the guy turns heel. And I'm coming up behind you with the, uh, the, the steel chair, and he's going to throw you on the table. So see, you just asked for it, Brandon. We, we, we need to, to get back together at some point to talk about Eyes of Laura Mars because yeah. you, you guys haven't seen it, right? Am I right in thinking that? I have not, no. Written by John Carpenter, starring you know Faye Dunaway and Tommy Lee Jones and Rene Auberjonois, and it's fantastic. So good. I. I, I don't know why I haven't seen it by this point. I don't know honestly. why you haven't seen it either. It's awesome. What's wrong with I, me? I'll, what is well? Lot, don't answer that. Apparently. That's a whole show in and of itself. Apparently. So can can I tell you guys about the time that Peter Weller ran into me? Yes, please. I was at the Virgin Megastore downtown. You know, which that shows how long ago this was. And uh, I was leaving the Virgin Megastore, and I was going out the exit, and there was this guy who was walking in the exit who was not looking where he was going, and he says something like, give me a second, I just have to buy something. And then he turns around and runs right into me. And he's like, excuse me. And I'm like, did RoboCop just run? Because that's what it sounded like, you know? And I like didn't really get a quick look at his face or anything, but I'm like, that really sounded like RoboCop. And then I go out on the street, and there's Harris Eulin, the Cardassian from, uh, you know, what's it called? The big episode in, in season one with Kira, you know? Uh, yeah. No, yes, 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 yes. I know who you're talking about. That yeah. Dude. He's standing on the street talking in his cell phone. He's like, hang on a second. Peter just ran into the Virgin Megastore to buy something. And I'm like, that was RoboCop. He he did run into me, you know? And then I, I walked down my merry way, you know? 
Max's theory is that he was going in to buy RoboCop 3 because he probably hasn't seen it since, you know, he wasn't in it. <laughs> but I don't know for sure. I guess we'll never know. But yeah, that was my encounter with RoboCop. He was very friendly after almost running me over. So so, so you think he went to go watch RoboCop 3 the way Michael Keaton probably hate-watched Batman Forever? Did Michael Keaton do that? I have no oh, idea. I hope he I did. Just... I hope he did. Yeah. <laughs> he probably sat there saying, make the right call. <laughs> Yeah, failed at the right moment. No, see, like, because I heard, I re- and that was another thing. I remember, like, reading in Cinescape, like, the amount of money that he turned down, which was, like, $30 million or something to be in Batman Forever. And I remember I had yeah. a Batman Forever pin on my jacket, and I remember going into Mickey's, which is the, the, the hamburger place in town, and the guy behind the counter being like, oh, Batman Forever, is Michael Keaton coming back for that one? And I'm like, no, he turned down $30 million. And he goes fool and you know there's huh. something to be said for that because if you've if you heard the 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 george clooney thing where like some interviewer was giving no. him a hard time about being in batman and robin and how terrible batman and robin was and george clooney like turns to the guy and he's like uh yeah i was in batman and robin yeah batman and robin was a terrible movie but yesterday i talked to my accountant and he said you don't have to work again for the rest of your life. So now I just do whatever I want. And it's true. You look at that guy's filmography, he never does a movie for a paycheck. He always just does something cool, something weird, whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter. You know? So there's something to be said for doing the Batman and Robins and the RoboCop 3s of the movie landscape so that you can then turn around and you know, in Peter Weller's case, make little, you know, indie uh, short films that win Oscars, which he's done. Yeah, and isn't he, like, doesn't he have a doctorate in something? Yeah, he's like a certifiable genius. Yeah. 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 RoboCop was too good for us. (laughs) That's what we have to face. He he needed to give other gifts to the world. Yeah. I got Peter Weller's autograph at the Vegas convention. I got two autographs of his. He's got I've got a big Star Trek flag here that has like a whole bunch of people's autographs on it and I got him to autograph a small like 8 by 17 RoboCop poster and he actually signed it. He's like dead or alive you're coming with me, Robo. <laughs> and, like he signed it really good. It was awesome. I do have a question. It'll be two questions for John and three questions for Mike, okay? Cuz I've actually been thinking about okay. this here. Okay. Terminator or RoboCop 1? Wow, that is a tough call, my friend. I haven't seen RoboCop 1 in a very long time. Honestly, I got to go with RoboCop 1. Terminator 1, hands down. There's no question at all. Okay, I think I know the answer to this one. Terminator 2 or RoboCop 2? Terminator 2. I'm not even going to dignify that with the response. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mike. RoboCop 3 or Terminator 3? Terminator 3, hands down. Okay, now see, I have to see (laughs) RoboCop 3 because Terminator 3 is awful. The worst Terminator movie is better than the best RoboCop movie. See, I, maybe I maybe the thing is maybe my uh, I really need to go see RoboCop again because the thing is I'm leaning toward RoboCop versus the original Terminator strictly because I love the ending of the original RoboCop so much when he turns around you know says what's your name son and he turns around Murphy and that goes RoboCop I'm like yeah I think maybe it's just <laughs> been like Terminator is so 
ingrained that I've lost. Like, I haven't watched either one. You know what? I got to do a double feature. I'm going to have to do Terminator and Robocop back to back and see how that double feature plays. And then do Terminator 3 and Robocop 3 back to back. No, I'm never watching Terminator 3 again in my life. Man, that scene when he's got that coffin no, on his shoulder. And he's no, I awesome. specifically hate that scene. That is the very moment where that movie <laughs> lost me for good because it broke my rule of the use of slow motion. Unnecessary slow motion is the lazy man's way to try to communicate uh, uh, any sort of emotion or impact in something. Slow motion should be used sparingly and wisely, and it was not in Terminator 3. It's the least of its sins, but it is a huge sin nonetheless. Don't you dare manipulate slow motion like that. You know, it would be actually probably interesting, which I have never read, you know, and I was just looking it up right now because I was curious. But yeah, RoboCop versus Terminator, of course, was a comic book because it was the 90s and they were both robots and cyborgs and whatever. But and and Dark Horse Comics owned both. Exactly. And but it was written by Frank Miller and, and drawn by Walt Simonson. And it came out in 92. So like right before RoboCop 3. Yes, be, I remember this now. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really interesting that, you know, I mean, Frank Miller, having written these RoboCop movies, was then writing RoboCop comics. I mean, there's something to be said for that and where, where it fits into all this other stuff. I don't know. Also, by the way, because of all of his homages or whatever, when since he had written RoboCop, he put RoboCop's gun in one of the Sin City books. And since the Sin City movies were like straight up scene for scene adaptations of the comics, there's Robocop's gun in, in the Sin City movie. So that's pretty cool. So I love So that. therefore Robocop takes place in the same Definitely. continuity as Sin City? Yeah. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> Makes sense to me. I, I'm down with that. Oh, that's see the thing is though I'm reeling from this whole Terminator Three thing. Ugh. Terminator Three is a great movie. the The only problem that I no, it is not. The only problem that I have <laughs> that is a, with Terminator that's a lie. The only problem that I have with Terminator Three is how it completely misses the entire point of Terminators One and Two, and it has like the exact opposite message of those yeah. movies. Yeah. But if you that's just look at it on its own terms, I think it's really well done. Mm-hmm. No. Besides the slow motion thing, I'll point specifically to where they're going along in their rickety little truck or whatever, and the Terminator's driving, and it's like, but we ended Judgment Day. I thought that blah, 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 blah. Everything's fine. Wrong. And then they just keep going, and I'm like, okay, very well. Simply wrong. That's it. Uh, and I think eventually they said, like, timelines branch or something like that. You can't, you can't avoid judgment day you can only delay it or some crap like that well an interesting thing you know and and i know that they've said this for basically every terminator movie and they've you know kind of dropped the ball on all of them but now once again since james cameron has the rights back he is basically doing another terminator movie which is going to be terminator 3 again for the the third time second second remake of terminator 3 um, ignoring Terminators 3, 4, and Terminator 3B, you know. But also, <laughs> yep. it was just recently revealed that uh, the original writer of RoboCop is writing a sequel, which is going to ignore RoboCops 2 and 3. So we're going to get a RoboCop 2B as well. Wait a minute. It's going to ignore the remake as well? Yeah. 
He's just going back to the original because, I mean, like you were saying, completely new creative team after the first one. So now the original creative team is coming back and they're going to make their for real sequel, ignoring everything that's happened since the original. Well, why the hell didn't they do this that the so first time around? around? Because they were busy making other movies. They didn't want to make a bunch of Robocop movies. <laughs> you know? It's what the people wanted, Mike. That's what they should have done. Ugh. This is postmodern meta. You know, like we had movies and then we had sequels and then like that was the thing for the while and then remakes were the thing for the while and then reboots were the thing for the while. And now remaking the rebooting sequel yeah, is remaking like the, the new sequel. Thing. Yeah, and, and that's like we almost got that with Alien 3, right, with Blomkamp. That would have been really cool. But it is a thing which exists. Highlander. Every single Highlander Ugh. sequel is Highlander 2, you know? Yes, that is true. <laughs> It is, isn't and it? And they finally got around to Highlander Endgame, which was the good one. Actually, I liked Final Of course, it, it should fill anyone with special dread that now the rebooting, remake, sequel, boot, not makings are a thing now that J.J. Abrams is going to make episode nine. Oh, no. Is he just going to remake episode seven, which is, you know, or is he going to remake episode eight? Or is he going to, what's he going to remake? Is this, like... Because if there's one thing Abrams likes to do, it's ride a trend like that. So it'll be interesting. Could episode nine be the episode eight B of Star Wars? Well, all that I have to say on that is I think that Terminator Genesis is a way better modern rebooting of a sequel franchise than uh, Force Awakens was. Absolutely insane. They're both movies that completely call back to everything about the original series. In every shape and form, and I think that Genesis did a better job. Because Genesis, not agree with its entire plot is hinged on, you know, something which we're going to learn in a sequel, which will never happen. So, I, I, I honestly think uh, Genesis was okay, and I was willing to go along with it. I thought the humor was more. Like it wasn't as uh, focused on being dour as Salvation was, and it wasn't as corny as Terminator Three was. But that ending, that last ten minutes, like seriously, you got to stick the landing, and that that last ten minutes are just terrible, and like it undoes all the goodwill from the previous hour and whatever. I'll tell you what had me with this movie was, you know, like everybody's like, oh, they showed too much in the trailers. They showed too much in the trailers. When they had young Arnold coming up to the guys for the first movie and then all of a sudden old Arnold shoots him, I'm like, done. I am all in. You guys have got me hooked. I was not expecting that. They didn't show it. I'm like, this is it. I'm 100% in. It, it was, it was awesome. a great It was a great premise, but they didn't, or maybe they did know what they were doing, but they didn't get around to doing it since it was supposed to be like a trilogy and then the first one made no money. But it, it, it it's definitely the worst of the Terminator movies, in my opinion. But are, aren't we all really scraping the barrel then if we're remaking RoboCop 2? No, and we're remaking Terminator Three. No, and we're like because now we're, we're we're like we're like at the bottom. Like we can't no go forward. Not, we're stuck in hell. Not, no, 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 no. Because see, here's the difference, right? The difference is that these are the sequels we wanted back in the day. We wanted James Cameron to make Terminator Three, and he didn't. We wanted Paul Verhoeven to make RoboCop Two, and he didn't. But now we're getting that. 
I don't see any problem with that. You know, I mean, that's that's perfectly valid to me. I I, I like. I, okay, so is somebody going to go back and say the mo? They're, let's remake Star Trek the Motion Picture and Star Trek Three and Star Trek Five, but we're going to leave two, four, and six alone. It would be interesting. So if we could just go back. Did and, that, but I don't think they're going to i mean because no i know but i'm saying it's the same no, thing it's well, like sometimes you get sometimes you don't get what you want you just okay, okay well, move we, on. See, you don't understand the meta of this is that it's timelines <laughs> you've got two different robocop 2 the, timelines and, and that's now. that's a cool thing i mean no, the, 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 yes. well okay so we've got alita battle angel coming out well now not until christmas but um you know the comic book that is based on you know battle angel alita it was like a 15 book series or something like that. And it ended. And then the creator of the comic was like, I don't really like that ending. I'm going to try it again. So what he did was he went back to book 15 or whatever it is. I could be getting this slightly wrong. And he basically said, okay, that last book didn't happen. I'm going to start that again. And he ended up doing a whole alternate series which ended up extending the thing like twice as long or something like that which was like everything from for the first 14 books stayed intact but then he started again with number 15 and there's this whole alternate you know storyline that exists and i'm like that's so cool why not do that? And that's like literally some guy rewriting himself, you know? So I like that movies are doing that. Why do we have to go back to the beginning with all of these sequels? Why can't we just say, yes, RoboCop 1 is a masterpiece. Let's just not touch that one. Let's see what we could do if that got the sequel it deserved, you know? I like that. That's an interesting argument. I, you know... Uh... Damn it, Schindler! You do this to me all the time. Where I'm like, no, it's a terrible idea, and then you have like this argument. I'm like, okay, I could. See I mean, that. the Alien Three thing uh. is a perfect example because we can see exactly what it is. We can see that Alien Three is the alternate reality where Newt and Hicks survive, and you know we get to see their further adventures. You know, I mean, that's the perfect like crystallization of that that idea. The fact that they didn't do it really upsets me, but whatever. Why does anybody care about Newt? Who cares about Newt? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> because much like Terminator 3 wrecked what happened in Terminator 2, Alien 3, Alien 3, I, you know, the, the, the hip thing to say, and I, I said it for a long time too, was like Alien 3 on its own terms is an okay movie, but when you make it an Alien sequel, yeah. it's terrible that's because everything that the hero has earned up to that point is thrown away in 30 seconds and it's just it's the same problem i had with a lot of aspects yes of the last jedi where it was like it wasn't necessarily where the story should have logically progressed for these characters it's where it's simply somebody came in and said i'm gonna shoehorn it because i need these characters in this point to tell this story and it's like no go off and do your own movie because this is not the natural progression for these characters after aliens like fincher is a great director but he wasn't he wasn't the right director for alien 3 in my opinion i don't have a problem with yeah yeah 
I don't have a problem with that with Last Jedi because I think that, you know, they were like taking those things and spinning them in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Whereas I think with Alien 3, it was literally like, we don't want to deal with this. We're going to just completely toss it out the window. But, you know, the, the, I, I, I do like that idea. I, I mean, that that's maybe an interesting thing for a, a, a subject, you know, a future episode of this show is, you know, what franchises would we benefit would benefit from that? What where would we like to see that? I mean, I, I know that there's, I mean, there's there's so many of them out there. I mean, Alien Three is is, but I mean, talk about Star Trek. I would love to see Star Trek re- reboot starting with Star Trek Three and doing that, doing an alternate Star Trek Three where Genesis is actually a sustainable planet you know i mean where 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 does that story go you know surely Mm -hmm. i mean obviously you're you're getting into real world things here but like dark knight i love dark knight rises masterpiece i want to see dark knight rises with the joker you you know what i mean see see i mean all those things and whatever That, that might be an interesting topic for discussion for another show i think it might yeah I think it might. Anyway. Well, gosh, this uh this is this has been a fun conversation. Brandon Shea, thank you so much for joining us for it. Uh if people want to assail you with their love or hatred of Robocop two, where can they find you? Well, first I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. A long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of fun being here. I love listening to you guys, and as as many people may not get the joke here, this is my grocery shopping episode, my grocery shopping <laughs> podcast, and uh, Great Shot and Groceries. That's what I do on Saturday mornings. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella, and you can find me on Trek FM with two shows. One is called The Edge, which is our Star Trek Discovery podcast, and the other one is called Warp 5, which is our Star Trek Enterprise podcast. And next week, Mike's going to be on, where we don't even talk about Star Trek, we talk about about a movie we talk about the day the earth stood still from 1951 as a part of our movie night series and you can find me over on the fandom podcast network with my friends chris and tom and we have a show called good evening an alfred hitchcock podcast which is all about hitchcock's movies and we've just wrapped up his silent era it's all good stuff man it's all good stuff you got some great shows and i I like a lot of the topics you've been doing with warp five lately really good stuff thank you uh mike where can people find you Oh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Mumbles3K and uh, um, keep an eye out because in a couple weeks uh, you'll be able to find me on, on uh, a new a new venue. And uh, yeah, just, just, just go to Mumbles3K and, and, and check, check my feed and you'll see uh, a link there soon. A couple weeks, a couple weeks. Exciting stuff on the way. You can find me, of course, here on the network on Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing, a Star Wars podcast. And you can find me out there in the ether co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. And if you want to look me up online on your social network of choice, I am Kessel Junkie. So thank you very much for joining us. Brandon, thanks again for being a part of this conversation. We hope to have you back again in the future. Uh, For sure. Thank you. And uh, next week... What are we talking about, Mike? We're talking about the end of Rebels. Oh, that's right. We're going to talk about the end of Star Wars Rebels. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.